Welcome back to Screen Time. I'm Ro Khan. I'm Richard Roper. Oprah and the Royal Family. This was a television event that has created an international firestorm. Piers Morgan lost his job <laughs> over the deal. I mean, it is just insane. We're going to get to that in just a moment, okay. Rich, because I know you have a lot of thoughts. And uh, a very interesting background with Oprah personally you have. Yes, I do. Yeah, so we will talk about that. Screen Time with Rowan Roper is presented by AmericanEagle.com. The digital landscape is changing rapidly, and to compete in today's business environment, you need an experienced partner. And since 1995, AmericanEagle.com has partnered with companies of all sizes, offering web design, web development, e-commerce, mobile apps, digital marketing that drives your overall business success because they believe today's online world is your opportunity. Get started today at AmericanEagle.com. So Oprah's really kissing some royal ass, wasn't she? Well, you could look at it that way, or you could say she was really royally giving the royal flush to the queen. <laughs> you know, that interview took place at Gail King's house. So oh. Oprah was the queen of television at the king's house interviewing a prince. And a princess, but she's not the princess. She's the Duchess of Sussex or something now, right? Those, those royal titles. I, I watched The Crown. I need a playbook. I need, like, you know, somebody in the booth, like Tony Romo, explaining to me like he does with football. <laughs> I can do what's that. What's going on? I, I know this, Ro, of course, you know, there's been so much discussion about the, the interview and the aftermath and the fallout and the backlash and the relash and all that. One of the things I think we were reminded of is that Oprah Winfrey is a consummate interviewer and started off in news as an anchor. And we're, we're going to get into her whole history, which right. a lot of it came through our hometown of Chicago, of course. But she did a great job. She's a great listener. Yes. And really picks up on what was being said there and knew when she was getting bombshells. Uh, but I also love the fact that Piers Morgan, who, uh, you know, he came to America. He did like the Larry King type of show, yes, right? Yes, CNN. It was very weird. When Larry King yeah. left CNN, it was Piers Morgan who took over. And I, I, I don't know, call me a culturalist if you'd like, but I really don't like it when guys with British accents tell us how screwed up our country is. It always troubles me, whether it's the, that dude over at Fox or it was Piers Morgan or whatever. I'm like, hey, we fought a revolution, so we don't have to care about what you yeah. think. I think if it's done comedically, as in John Oliver's sure. case, or even James Corden, where it's more entertainment, we welcome them with open yes, arms. Yes, of course. But with Piers Morgan, and then he was a judge on one of those shows, yes. America Has Only So Much Talent, <laughs> uh, you know, where we watch and go, boy, those those dogs, they're really good. Where is that going to play? Uh, it never really hit here. And then he's he's the host or one of the presenters, as they say. And what's it called? Um, a Cheerio Britain? Or, yes, you know, it's Good Morning Britain. Yeah. It's, it's their GMA. And has been doing scathing criticism of Meghan Markle. And then uh, another guy on the show who I think is a weather presenter, he like took Piers to task and Baby Man walked off the set, didn't even <laughs> respond, and then quit the show. Which, you know, I think we can thank Oprah for that. <laughs> I do, oh, for sure. Thank you, Oprah. For Not sure. that I was watching Tally Ho Britain anyway. Well, th this is the problem. Let me explain the problem that we have with the Meghan Markle situation to begin with. Mm. This really is based and steeped in racism. There's no question about it. There's underlying racism all over the world. This is not unique to the United States. It's not unique to Britain. It's not unique mm. to Asia or Africa or anywhere. You know, when you have people who identify as one, whether it's a race or a sect or a religion or whatever it happens to be, they will hate the people who are not them. There will be some people who are more extreme haters, and then there'll be people who go, oh, I never really like those people. And then there are people who go, we should love everyone. And that's the way all of society is, all of cultures. That's the way humanity is. Sorry. End of story. 
What's happened in England was that the media titans there, and there are you know, quite a few, including Rupert Murdoch, uh, those publications have been playing the soft racism card, mm. and in some cases the harder racism card, with Meghan Markle. So this whole issue of what color is the baby going to be is really not that much of a shocker. I know that Oprah, as you mentioned, thought she had gold there, and she did. But it, but her reaction wasn't one of great surprise, even though it sounded like it was. Everybody gets that that's what was going on with Meghan Markle. And that all of a sudden this prince is going to marry a black chick from America. Didn't we fight a war with them so we don't have to care about this stuff? And that's what was really going on. And she needed to get to the center of that and do it in a way to bring us all along. Well, Oprah, one of her many, many skills, I believe, Ro, as an interviewer, and this goes all the way back to her show and 60 Minutes, any platform she's been on, even though we all know she lives this, she lives a lifestyle that the royals envy. Let's put it that right. way. You know, she's got better digs, better transportation, much better clothes, and is probably having <laughs> more fun than the queen. Uh, but she was always able, I think, to reflect and mirror what the audience might be thinking. So she would express shock at things or surprise or say, hold on, wait a minute, just as the people at home, the viewers at home were saying, hold on, wait a minute. Also want to give uh, Meghan Markle and uh, what's his name? Harry? Yeah. Harry. Um, <laughs> he looks like Andy Dalton now, the quarterback. I always get those two confused. I want to give Meghan Markle and Harry yeah. and Oprah all credit for something okay. that got lost in all the headlines here. And that was the fact that they did a gender reveal the way you're supposed to do a gender reveal. Oprah said, are you going to have a boy or a girl? Prince Harry turned to Megan and says, well, you should say it. She says, no, you go ahead. And he goes, it's going to be a girl. And then Oprah went, yay, a girl. And they moved on. No, nothing shot up into the sky in either blue or pink. No fireworks that decapitated grandpa and kind of ruined the whole gender reveal thing. Yeah. And I'm thinking, if, if Harry and Megan can just say it's going to be a girl to Oprah Winfrey... And keep it that low key, the rest of the world should take heed. And that should be the end of elaborate gender reveal yeah. ceremonies. From now on, just have Oprah over and have her ask you the question, is it a boy or a girl? Yeah, well, I want to say that the gender reveal party in Florida is often followed up by a police or fire report. Yeah really is. It's yeah. a crazy so, stuff. Uh, I, in terms of what Oprah did in this interview, mm. I thought... Yes, she did what she does best. She's a great interviewer. She does listen. She's a reactor. She won't let you get away with something. But I thought she went a lot easier on Meghan than she did on Prince Harry. I thought she kind of went after Prince Harry like, hey, wait a second. Well, what, aren't you standing up for your wife and what's all of this mm -hmm. about? Mm -hmm. and, and he's caught, right? Because the dude is still a prince. And you know, I know maybe you don't know. Maybe maybe I'm, I'm alone in this, but I don't think I am. Mm -hmm. This marriage ain't going to make it. This ain't going to last. None of these things ever do. And when on the other side, Prince Harry is going to have to go crawling back to his grandmother, if she's still with us, or to his dad, who will be the king, who apparently is the guy who's like, oh, did you know that this child could possibly be black? Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting you said that because I've heard from so many people over the last few days saying the exact same thing, that this marriage isn't going to last. You're all such heartless cynics. And I guess it's like The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. It's all such a fairy tale until the cameras are off and they're left to their own devices. And there might be a moment when, when Harry turns to Megan five years from now, wakes up and says, I used to have footmen. I used to have footmen. And I used to have all these other things. I don't know. I wish them the best. I well, like I the fact... I do too, but, that's, but that does not change the fact that 
they're under the spotlight. There's a ton of pressure on both of them. They don't have a moment to actually build the marriage. They had to get Tyler Perry's house and his security detail. Yeah. And yeah. imagine the pressure that went on. Just imagine what Megan said back to him. I thought you were a prince, and now all of a sudden we can't get security detail. I've got to call my friend. Medea's doing security for <laughs> us right now. And God bless Tyler Perry. That that, yeah, was, that was pretty cool. awesome. I did like the fact, too, that they have the chicken coop, just like um, Jay Cutler and, and Kate Cav, Christian yeah. Cavallari. Of course, that didn't work out either. But remember on that uh, very Cavallari show, Jay was getting into chickens and other types of, you yes. know, kind of gentleman farming. And that was my other favorite little uh, sidebar note from the, uh, the two-hour interview special row. At one point, Oprah's visiting... Uh, the chicken coop, right? Archie's right. chicken in, chicken, you know, <laughs> named the little guy's little chicken thing. And she had a crate of a half dozen eggs in her hand. They had handed, they had given her six <laughs> eggs and she was holding on to those eggs. And I know, obviously, she could have handed them to a, to a, a, an associate or a production assistant or something. But I'm like, I think Oprah took those eggs home and, and, and had a nice omelet. Do you think she took them into Gail's kitchen and yes. called Gail and said, hey, Gail, we're having omelets. <laughs> Yes, I do. I, about Gail King, that's a pretty nice house. And I believe that's also in California. I believe that's in Montecito where yeah. all these people are living, like right outside of Santa Barbara, which is very ritzy real estate. Good for Gail King. Yeah, that backyard looked like uh, the you know the images you can choose on Zoom, like for a nice background <laughs> image, like yes. you know royalty, the life you'll never have. But again, Gail King... Has you know, all, you know, famously known as Oprah's best friend, but I think is actually a terrific broadcaster. She really and is, is. and has done wonderful work over the years and has, has earned every dollar she's made. I do want to talk to you, Ro, though. I thought you know we would use this as the launching point to talk about the long and I would say complicated and interesting history of Oprah with the two of us. And because when we when people talk about Oprah, they say, well, how does it affect Rowan Roper more and screen time? <laughs> But, you know, maybe you could start off, because I think you know even better than I do, the history and Oprah and how she came to Chicago and the whole genesis of her meteoric rise. Yeah, well, she came as a local TV reporter and then an anchor at the ABC station here. She was brought along, and they decided there was a, a morning talk show on ABC7 in Chicago at the time. AM Chicago. AM Chicago, and uh, it was hosted by Rob Weller and some other people that went on and to do other things yeah. out in the West Coast, and it was it it was always a very uh, durable morning show. So Oprah became like the perfect person to take over this role, right? It was exactly at this moment where television started to become less dependent on old white men mm. to do things, right? It was it was opening up, and so Oprah was a, a great candidate, and she just killed it. And then the next thing you know a broadcast executive or two, and there's a couple people who take full credit for right. this, decide to right. roll her out into syndication using a platform that ABC was associated with. And it took off. I remember I accidentally, this is my crazy little brush with greatness when it comes to Oprah, although she's not exactly sure who I am. And that's famous anytime I've ever interviewed her. She's like, I don't, aren't you? What, what is, what's going on there? Uh, but <laughs> there, there is... Uh, uh, there was a moment uh, back in 1986, and they were doing a launch party in Grant Park, the big public park here where the Bean is in Chicago. Yeah. Big tent and the whole thing, and all the muckety-mucks from ABC were there, and it was a launch. And I happened to be 
at that park for another thing I was doing for my job. And I thought, well, I'm just going to walk in here mm. and see what's going on. Mm. And I walked in. I walked right past the security. I don't yeah. know. Back then, you could do things like that. Hey, Ro, how's it going? And the next thing you know, I'm standing there watching Oprah basically accept the mantle of this big daytime talk show host. Oh, cool. And the next thing you know, boom, it became a phenomenon. And it, and it goes to that central issue that we talked about in terms of her talent. Her talent is unquestionable. There isn't anybody who watches her, who likes her, who doesn't see exactly what it is that's great. But from the professional side, for people who are uh, professional broadcasters or talk show hosts or stuff like that, she's one of those, like Larry King was in a lot of ways. There are certain people who are just above and beyond. I think Regis is one of those guys too. Yeah. But Oprah has a special something. Again, it's that I'm not going to let you get away with this. I'm going to be nice about it, but then I'm also going to like I'm I'm going to lean in if I have to. And she credits Phil Donahue, who may be the great grand poobah grandfather of that. Absolutely, and then she quickly surpassed him in the ratings. First of all, I couldn't agree more. There's something about Oprah from the very start where she just pops off the television screen and reaches you, and millions upon millions of people, men and women. But especially that, you know, that loyal, hardcore female audience, they felt like they had found a new best friend who mm -hmm. said everything they wanted to say, asked all the questions they wanted to ask, and would also just be a lot of fun to dish with, and also went through a lot of the problems they went through, whether, you know, obviously her famous bouts with trying to keep her weight under control and losing weight and putting it back on. Uh, she was just incredible from the start. And that show, you know, the, the urban legend, too, is that, and part of this is true, because Roger Ebert, my late great uh, you know movie TV reviewing partner, uh, told the story about how he had gone out on a couple of dates with Oprah. They quickly established they were just going to be friends. But she was talking about whether or not she should go with a network or syndication. And he took out a piece of paper and said, well, if you syndicate the show and have an ownership of it, you can make this much money if it does well, which is a lot more money than if you were a paid, very well-paid, hired hand. And then, of course, came the famous Harpo Studios that yes. Oprah literally built with the construction crew, of course, but uh, the amazing complex. And again, we are in Chicago for folks who don't know about this. Harpo Studios is where Oprah moved her show and it really revitalized an entire neighborhood in Chicago. Totally. In, which is an amazing gift that she gave to Chicago. And then the shows were done for Harpo for 20 years? For decades, yeah. And we actually work on a local television show that replaced Oprah when she retired from doing the daily talk show. And we work out of the same original studio at ABC that she worked out of. And everybody talks about that. When there's a tour, when the, when the audience comes in, when there were audiences that were coming in, hopefully they'll come back. It's always, oh, this is Oprah's studio. This is Oprah. This is Oprah. Oprah really did help build so much for this town. That's amazing. And the same ABC uh, affiliate in Chicago, right next door to the show you're talking about, which is Windy City Live, which is a huge hit show and has been for a decade in Chicago. Right next door to that is the studio where Ebert and Roper, uh, where we did our shows after we moved from CBS. So I always have a, a, a great fondness for that particular building. Now, the Harpo Studios, I'll go back a little bit, Ro, and tell you about some of my experiences uh, with Oprah. <laughs> All right, hold on. Okay. I want you to do that in a second. Okay. I want you to, and we also have to get to the Thursday 3. Yes. But first, I need to tell you about our fine sponsor, Floyd's. Your haircut, your way. Floyd's 99 Barbershop has expert barbers and stylists who take pride in crafting the perfect cut every time. Walk in, book online, or give your shop a call. Learn about their safety practices. Floyd'sBarbershop.com. Safety never looks so good. The year was 1990, and at the time I was writing a five times a week general interest column for the Chicago Sun-Times, doing some movies and TV, but also just talking about life in general. 
And I'd written a column about a study that had shown a disproportionate number of sexual assaults on college campuses were taking place in fraternity houses and sorority houses, mainly fraternity houses. And I wrote a very serious column about it, talked to the authors of the study. Somebody from Oprah's show called. They, went and they ended up doing an entire show based on the column, bringing in experts on both sides. And it was an incredible experience to be a guest, a featured guest on her show, Row, because I could see how good Oprah was in person. And she'd even come up to me during the break and say, I'm going to look at you when we come out of the break. That means I want you to jump in first. These experts are good, but they're not as good at television. We're going to do it this way. Just brilliant stuff. So I was a fan. It was I was honored to be on the show. Uh, as time went on and we saw Oprah's star ascend to these incredible heights, I was one, and not the only one, but one of the Chicago-based, and, and sometimes there were national critics, who would sometimes point out just a little bit of a problem I had with this show or that. And, and one, of the, one of the things was I did mention, you know, we talked about the weight loss thing, and Oprah would come out, she famously came out with a wagon to illustrate what she lost, and then she'd say, this is the weight loss method that works for everybody. And then millions of people would take her advice and buy that plan. And she would really not do a lot of follow-ups about how she gained the weight back. And I thought that was, first of all, a little bit disingenuous and also not fair to the audience. Then she famously did, uh, there was a book called In the Kitchen with Rosie, her Oprah's personal chef. She wrote a book called In the Kitchen with Rosie. She had met Rosie at this $3,000 a day spa. Rosie's wonderful, who was a wonderful TV personality as well. And Oprah said, you know, you got to buy this cookbook. The cookbook went to number one on the New York Times bestseller list. I went to the local grocery store and bought all the ingredients for one meal, and it was about 75 bucks, and it was going to take you about six hours to cook it. And I wrote a column pointing that out saying, I don't think most of Oprah's audience can afford these ingredients. They certainly don't have the time to cook. And she did not like that column at all. I one time heard from her, her agent who took me to lunch and said, geez, you know, you're in her hometown and it's, it's really driving her crazy that you're writing these you know, negative pieces from time to time. And she's so down to earth and, and, you know, she really, you know, would make a lot of difference to her if, you know, you would write some positive stuff, which I had. I also pointed out that she didn't come to the lunch. She sent her agent to the lunch to speak for her, which is fine. Uh, the Pontiac giveaway, which was famous, where everybody yeah. in the audience got a Pontiac, and I pointed out that, you know, hey, they were going to be responsible for taxes and insurance and things like that. And I talked to a couple of lucky winners who were like, I have to sell that Pontiac. I can't afford yeah. it. Again, it was a really cool giveaway. So this kind of went back and forth to the point when, when I was doing Ebert and Roper on her show, and Oprah loved Roger, and on her show, Oprah would say, Roger Ebert's show gave this two thumbs up. Here's George Clooney. She wouldn't say my name. And they would even record Roger a couple of times in the balcony by himself yep. saying what I we had said together on the show just to eliminate it. Things got a little bit better over the years. And uh, you listen, I guarantee you that all the time we've just spent here is 20 times as much time as Oprah's ever thought about this. But listen, I, I as much as anyone really admired her. I thought when she got into kind of the, I called her deep pack Oprah at one point with a lot of the self-help stuff, it seemed that she was kind of losing touch with the, with the base audience, yeah. these giant you know tours. And I, I'll give her credit for this. When she left, she decided she wanted to do other things. And now when she does like Instagram videos, we can see she's living the life. It's awesome. Oh, yeah, you know, and uh, yeah, she's cooking in the kitchen, but we know there's staff everywhere. And again, why shouldn't Oprah enjoy being Oprah? She's also done, obviously global good and brought attention and tens and hundreds of millions of dollars to great causes uh and i'm watching her sunday night with that interview i kept thinking i said man you know chicago was so lucky to have her and it was a great period of broadcasting and i stand by everything i wrote positive or negative it was way more positive than negative but she's still i think one of the all-time great television personalities no question about it 
to the point of being a little disconnected from life. She, as you pointed out, was like your best friend, right? She was somebody that you knew, your neighbor, your best friend, somebody you worked with, whatever it was. And, and it, she was like the smart one that would tell you stuff that was going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Or she had friends that were interesting and say, hey, this is what my friend told me. And then next thing you know, she was best friends with George Clooney. And the next <laughs> thing you know, the friends cast and all that. I happen to have been invited to a fundraiser at her home in California. And there were a mm. couple hundred people at this fundraiser. Stevie Wonder was playing the fundraiser <laughs> on a little stage in her meadow. And when I say her she's meadow, meadow, she's got a meadow that's larger than most Central American countries. So nice meadow. let's just start with that. Mm-hmm. And there is poor Stevie Wonder on this little stage singing nobody around him. Jeez. Nobody because Oprah had descended from her home down and everybody like flocked to hear her talk. And here's, you know, Stevie, you know, playing Science Hill delivered, right? And and it's like you, it's you, you just you want to you just want to be there. So I decided because I was invited by somebody else to the thing. I wasn't invited by Oprah. So I just stood in front of the stage as the only person to be watching this great musical legend, one of the world's greatest artists in human history. It is arguable. Stevie Wonder is. While everybody was kissing Oprah's ass over across the meadow. Did you like yell out superstition? Like and ask him to like play like your your favorite hit. That's an amazing story. I, I'll say this too. I'll wrap it up by saying this too, Ro. You know, the thing about Oprah, uh, you know, listen, if I had the success she had, I would have had 25 times the ego. I would have had holy cards printed up with my angelic in, image on them. And when you think about it, unlike I don't want to say the majority, but unlike many, many people who have had insane success in the entertainment field, she's really not ever had any big scandals true. or, you know, stories about her and the staff. Now, listen, her staff, they all sign, you know, non-disclosure agreements. We know that. But we also know that a lot of people who worked for Oprah worked for a long, long time for yeah. her and talked about, yeah, she could be demanding all great perfectionists are. Yep. Yeah, that sometimes, you know, we had to do it her way. But also, she was a great boss. And it was a great place to work. And I, I, all kinds of people have come out of that. You know, you talk like the Bill Belichick tree of head coaches. Imagine yep. all the people that have been producers, executive producers for Oprah who have gone on to even greater things. Oh, it's great. And what she did for the television industry in Chicago, what she did for it nationally, I mean, it's great. And then she moved her operation pretty much to the West Coast, and she does almost everything she does from her home in Montecito, which is great. I would, too, if I could. Neither of us are talking about this trash her in any way. No, We're just telling the, the, what the real stories are that surround her, because she is really an amazing, 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 amazing talent. And we'll go down with this pantheon of greats in the history of television. She will forever be in the top three four or five of greatest television personalities ever to have walked this earth. And it was pretty cool. For example, in the 1990s, Chicago was home to arguably the two most beloved figures in the worlds of entertainment and sports in Oprah Winfrey and Michael Jordan. And that was a pretty cool time to be in Chicago. They both had restaurants, in fact. Remember yes. that? Oh, o- yeah. Oprah had Eccentric. It was famous for its mashed potatoes. Yes, it was. And right. Michael Jordan had Michael Jordan's The Restaurant, which was famous for the private room where Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley would go and have their dinners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the mashed potatoes may be the explanation to that question we, we asked go. earlier about how the- Just about know, out of I, it. I could just say that that happened to me. I mean, I, I, I liked her mashed potatoes, potatoes and I All right, uh, let's do the Thursday three, three things that you should be watching this weekend. 
I want to start off with Anthony Hopkins giving one of the best performances of his magnificent six-decade career in a movie called The Father. Ro, this is a movie where Anthony Hopkins plays a character named Anthony who is a British man in his 80s who is quickly losing control of his faculties. He's got dementia. He at times can't recognize his own daughter. He gets confused as to his whereabouts. It's based on a stage play, and you could see that when you're watching the film. But I got to tell you, with all the great work Anthony Hopkins has done, he goes to a different place here. Mm. It's so vulnerable. And he's talked about how the fact he is 83 years old, so playing a, a character who's losing you know, sight of reality was a, was a deep dive for him. And it is just a magnificent performance. It will be nominated for an Academy Award. Mm. Heavy stuff, though. Heavy stuff, but as you know, as is the case with a lot of you know great art, you feel you know better for having seen it, even though at times, yes, it's tough to it's tough to sit through. Okay, what's next? A movie called Long Weekend. Now, this one stars Zoe Chow, who's usually in supporting roles, but is the kind of leading lady here, and Finn Whitrock, Ooh. who sounds like he's a character from the Flintstones or a 1950s <laughs> movie, but he's people know him from American Horror Story. And he's a guy who had a breakdown after uh, the breakup of a romance. He's devastated. He meets Zoe Chow, and she's wonderful, and she's funny, and she's smart, and she's beautiful, and they have this whirlwind romance. But here's the thing. She doesn't have a cell phone. She doesn't have an ID, and she's got about $20,000 of cash in her, in her bag. So the question is, what's her deal? Is she a fugitive? Is she pulling off some kind of scam or hmm. is there a supernatural explanation which oh. I'm not going to give away so the movie's called Long Weekend if you're in the mood for kind of an escapist romantic comedy that also has a little bit of an edge to it check out Long Weekend you know those people who produce and are also in the American Horror Story series they're great they've gone on to do some yeah. amazing things and Finn Wittrock people will recognize him immediately if you like that stuff absolutely yeah, yeah. Uh, terrific performances in, a, in one of those we kind of call like a hidden gem Oh, there you go. And then the number one thing you got to see. Kid 90 on Hulu is a documentary. Soleil Moon Fry, who everybody knew as Punky Brewster, in the 80s and mostly through the 90s, had a home video recorder at a time when very few people had a portable one and pretty much recorded her entire life when she went from child star and then very famously matured very quickly where there were all these jokes about her developing breasts when she was like 14 years oh, old yeah, and she was put in all these uncomfortable situations. But the most amazing thing is she's got raw footage of Leo DiCaprio, uh, Mark Paul Gossler, David Arquette, all these other young actors who were coming up and unfortunately some that didn't make it through all the addictions and stuff of the 90s. So it's really amazing. And then you see her in, in present day, Soleil Moon Fry. Spoiler alert, she's doing wonderful. She looks great. She's got a great family. She survived, but it's a cautionary tale. The, the movie's called Kid 90. It's on Hulu. Next time you put us in your earballs, we're going to be talking about the Oscar nominations that come out on Monday. That's right. Screen time will take a deep dive into the nominations, who got in, who got snubbed, who got forgotten, who's mad, all that good stuff. Oscar nominations coming out Monday, March 15th. And this is the stuff that counts. We talked about the Golden Globes, but no one takes that as seriously probably as... Well, maybe they take it too seriously. I'm not exactly sure on the spectrum of seriousness where that is. But the Oscars, this is the thing. This is the one thing. Ever since the Oscars started in, what, 1929 or whatever year it was, it has been the thing that everybody covets in Hollywood. And we'll find out who's going to get coveted and who's going to get screwed. This is the only case when people say it's an honor just to be nominated. It really is. Because even if you don't win, it's going to be one of the first things in your obituary if you're nominated for an Academy Award. 
join us for that. That will be dropping on Tuesday, the 16th of March. Roan Roper Podcast is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. AmericanEagle.com is a full-service global digital agency providing best-in-class web design, development, hosting, digital marketing services, and so much more. Visit AmericanEagle.com for more information. And please remember to tell your friends about Screen Time. We appreciate all the feedback we've been getting and the downloads. And most of all, we love our subscribers. Oh, adore them. We'll go to their homes. <laughs> Executives in charge of Screen Time with Rowan Robert, Tim Melanius, and Renee Nelson. Our production and musical director, Brian Altimer. See you next time.